What's up, everyone? This is Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown, the number one podcast for anyone looking to have a greater human experience. What's going on, everyone? This is another episode of Resilience in Action with Aaron Brown. And here I am. I'm here with Nicole Cherie Hess. Nicole, thank you so much for jumping on jumping on the podcast today. So happy to be here, Erin. I can't I can't wait to dive in. Yeah, I'm really excited. I was really like glancing over uh, the information you sent me and all that good stuff. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I was so, stoked to see that your podcast is named Resilience because that that's the ticket right there. That is that is the that's the key to navigating this world is resilience. We get knocked down and then mm-hmm. we have to figure out how to get back up in the 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 smallest form and um resilience is something that I am very very passionate about and um I my goal is to have more people understand what it is and how to use it to have that greater human experience yeah resilience is a superpower it definitely is definitely is so Nicole go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself well, um, for all of the listeners, let's just cut straight to the chase because I know you guys like all the meat. Um, in my world, that's unicorn meat. Uh, <laughs> I'm Nicole Sharihas. I am a seven-figure client attraction coach who built a business um, that is about two and a half years old right now. We've done just over two and a half million dollars. And um, I was a bartender who got fired. <laughs> That's how this all started. I was a good bartender. I was really good at what I did. Um, I was a very mouthy bartender, which is what makes you a good bartender, by the way. But, um, you know, I I built my business to seven figures in my first 13 months as an online coach. And it was definitely discovering a different portion of myself that I didn't really know existed. Um, And that came from making one decision as it always does, right? One decision flips over the coin, your whole life changes. I stopped drinking and you know, that's wildly unpopular behind the bar. So I stopped drinking. And after being sober for six months, both of the jobs that I was working for fired me. I mean, can you imagine Aaron, the things that I was doing, drinking all the time behind the bar? I wasn't doing anything bad sober. (laughs) (laughs) That's when I got fired. Um, But being fired was the best thing that ever happened for me. And I think that that really plays into that whole story of resilience is that, you know, you get fired, you can lay down and die and cry about it and make it everybody else's fault. Or you can realize that when one door opens, um, sometimes million dollar dollar doors open after that. (laughs) Absolutely. I love it. I love it. So, I mean, let's start, let's start right there. Um, how did you become a bartender? Let's talk about, let's go back a little, little, yeah. little ways. Yeah. I mean, in the best way possible, right? Um, <laughs> no, uh, once upon a time, I was going to law school like a good kid, right? Um, and much to my mother's dismay, um, I met a boy, <laughs> as you do, right? <laughs> And so in becoming a teen mother, um, you learn lessons and you learn them quickly, whether you like it or not. And I had my, I was working at a steakhouse, you know, and I was a hostess because I was underage (laughs) and I was a hostess. But um, after I came back from having my son, um, you know, I wanted to bartend and I had just turned 21, but at this bar that I, that I worked at, it was a, it was a high-end steakhouse in Sacramento. And there was no such thing as female bartenders. That was Mm -hmm. not a thing which seems crazy because it was not that long ago, right? But like girls weren't allowed to bartend at this particular steakhouse because it was old school, right? And so only men could bartend. 
but it was a Friday night. And if you've ever been to a steakhouse on a Friday night, you know that it is very busy. Um, And the bartenders, there were two of them. They got in a fight with the manager and they walked out at 7 p.m. on Friday. Wow. (laughs) And so I was training to be a cocktail waitress because that was okay. You can be a cocktail waitress um, when when you're a girl, right? That's okay. And they, (laughs) the manager who was not on board with this policy, by by the way, it was coming from the owners. So the manager pulled me in the office and he put three shots of rumplemints in front of me. Erin, have you ever drank rumplemints? Yes. and I was like I mean I was like seven weeks postpartum right and he was like take these shots and I was like no and he was like do it or you're fired and I was like okay one two three right and he said get behind the bar it will never be this hard again okay so I got behind the bar and I figured it out resilience right I figured it out sink or swim style um and it was a catastrophe and but he was right it was never that hard again. And I totally fell in love with it. It was one of those things where like fish to water. Like I, I loved it. I was so good at it. Um, you know, the thing about bartending is that you see people in their rarest and rawest of forms, mm-hmm. right? So the human psychology piece of this, which, you know, I did some psych classes and I'm, I'm big into the psychology thing. And so it was really interesting to me to see these people who were like, well, to do in the community. I mean, we, we worked at a high-end steakhouse, yeah. um, you know, who were doctors, lawyers, and you know, the, the top of the top people coming in and unbuttoning, right. And becoming their true selves, Mm -hmm. you know, after they get a glass of wine or six on them, (laughs) they (laughs) act a little differently. And so watching that psychology, I mean, I really fell in love with the people aspect of this. And because I'm an introvert, I'm not someone that will just walk up to you, right? Like I don't just like walk up and start conversations, but as a bartender, I got to develop this, this other side, this different kind of persona where I got to connect with people in a totally different way. Lovely, lovely. So that alter ego, in a sense, um, mm-hmm. does this alter ego have a name? No, I never got that far. <laughs> it, was just, it was just Nicole and drunk Nicole, you know? <laughs> People would come up to me and be like, they'd have a bone to pick. And I'd be like, I'm sorry, like, I'm sober. You're going to have to take that up with drunk Nicole because I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I wasn't even here. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't remember. <laughs> I assure you, I don't remember. I blacked out. No, it wasn't me. Sorry about it. Wow. Okay. So, so a super old school steakhouse literally got thrown into bartending, loved it. How long did you bartend for? <laughs> Forever. It doesn't ever leave you really. <laughs> you know, I'm in the fridge, like, you know, making, shaking. Up. <laughs> you can't take the bartender out. It's just there. But no, I, I kept bartending. I mean, I dropped out of school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I dropped out of school, Um, you know, focused on being a mom. I mean, I didn't really have a lot of choice. You know, I was in yeah. a city by myself. Um, My, my son's father uh, was really like the love of my life, you know, in the teenage world. And yeah. Of course he was a piece of shit because they all are. He was so handsome, you know, <laughs> so handsome. Thank you. Great genetics for my son, but he was troublesome. You know, he mm-hmm. was very troublesome and um, deeply tormented. He actually died when we were 24. He overdosed oh, on heroin when we were 24. Um, and I mean, it just, it shattered my world, you know, um, but I was there by myself. Our parents were, you know, in Reno and we were in Sacramento. And so I had a, a baby that I was raising by myself and it was, it was hard and it was scary and bartending was great money. And the bar that I worked at was an amazing community. Like mm-hmm. it was, I mean, I'm still friends with these people, you know, we're all still, you know, we should do it a reunion kind of people. Um, everybody talks about the good old days of high school. Like that's not it for me. It's like good old <laughs> 
of carvers. Like I love it, you know? And so I stayed in that industry. I worked at that bar for five years, um, right, right to the top of being the lead bartender, um, despite the gender bias. And then I actually got a big break into craft cocktails when craft cocktails were first, like a thing, right? Mm. Like when it was first cool, um, like I was at the front of that movement. I became the president of the Bartenders Guild. I traveled all over the world. I did international cocktail competitions and won them. <laughs> like I did cool shit like that um, yeah. for a long time. And I became a bar consultant. Um, when I moved back to Reno, I was, uh, after my son's father died, I moved back, you know, I needed my mom. And so I moved back mm -hmm. here and I started working for the casinos doing the, that kind of stuff and became a bar consultant um, at 24 years old. And so, you know, I was really good at the service industry. Um, yeah. It just requires a lot of drinking. It requires a lot of late night hours. Um, and, you know, it taught me so much about myself, about humans, um, about service, and really about sales. I learned so much about sales in the service industry that really carries forward to now. So, you know, I mean, the bartender in me never really goes away. I may not stand behind a bar for 14 hours and make drinks anymore, but it's still rapport building, you know? Yeah, love it, love it. So your service, the service knowledge that you got um, bartending for all those years just translates right into your coaching business, your seven multi multi seven figure business. I mean, a huge competitive edge, right. Is like, it's so hospitality driven, like mm -hmm. our programs, the entire brand, I mean, start to finish the free Facebook group, all of the things, like everything is done with so much intention. Um, like steps of service in a high-end restaurant, because that's what I've grown up in. And like that, is how I develop brand presence and awareness. And I mean, I wasn't just a bartender. I was also a consultant and I was taking companies that were doing like 15 K a week to 150 K a week. So I knew how to increase sales. I knew how to train people. Um, and so training staff and training coaching clients is not all that different. Right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those things translated over, but also, you know, at a very high echelon, as far as the service, the hospitality elements of things mm -hmm. and the anticipation of need, um, sense of urgency, all of those skill sets that I developed in the service industry, translated beautifully and quite honestly I mean gave me my competitive edge um there's a reason why I grew my company so much faster than industry standard and that is because it is better yeah that's wonderful that's so crazy to think um so 18 months 18 months from you starting your business till it becoming seven figures 18 13, months. 13 months 13 months 13 months Hey, 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 did you know I wrote a book? It's called The Value Method, Five Steps to Unlocking Your Greatest Potential. And in it, I share just that. Five wildly easy, actionable steps that will set you up to have a greater human experience daily. I've included interactive worksheets and small assignments at the end of each chapter. You're literally creating a living blueprint of your best life. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to purchase your copy and a copy for a friend. A year and a month. <laughs> yeah. How annoying is that, right? That I can't just say a year because it's just one month over. And my, my higher self won't let me lie and say No, it. it's it's like when you think about it, like 13 months, that's crazy. What what do you think Most made that happen? Don't even last that long, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's people who like have podcasts who don't even, you know, we, yeah. I drop an episode, one episode a week, and then you just fall off. And now you're back to doing whatever it was you were doing. You know, there's people who don't, I don't even, that's so crazy. So 13 months. 
What do you think made that possible? If you had to tie it back to one thing and one thing only. All the pressure. Mm, Okay. One one thing only, I would say like, this this is terrible. (laughs) This is terrible. But honestly, it was spiked. 13 months. Okay. My first million dollars came from fuck you energy. It came from, I told you so. It came from like everybody telling me that I was too much, that I was too aggressive, that I was too mouthy, that I was better seen and not heard. When you're a bartender, all these people are constantly like, you would be, you would be better if you smiled more. It's like, get out of here. Right. Yeah. Um, So all of that kind of energy of people just squeezing me all the time and telling me that I was too much. You know how satisfying it is to see the person that fired you, you know, like that guy fired me. And like, it's like, drive up. I, I saw him one time, one time <laughs> I, um, I was at the grocery store. Right. I, and I'm like, I'm the kind of person that dress in sweatpants every day. <laughs> I, like I have my pony pants on, like, that's who I am. Like none of that shit changed when I made money. Right. Yeah. So I drive up and I'm at the grocery store. I get out of my motherfucking Bentley and step out. And there's this guy that fired me. <laughs> like, what up, bro? <laughs> what up bro (laughs) i have this running joke that i want to buy all the bars in reno and name them all i told you so (laughs) i'm cracking up wow so spite just just pure like like you said fuck you energy wow it's better now (laughs) just i calmed down a little bit (laughs) not as spicy but I still, I still sense a little cayenne pepper in there. So (laughs) there are days, you know, I mean, it's that thing where like you get, you get to this level and it's like, you have all the freedom, you have all the money, you got the platinum Amex, you know, it's like, you can do whatever the hell you want. And like, you know, some people talk shit and you're like, what makes you think like, they don't, they don't know the old me. Right. So it's like, what makes you think I'm not going to get on a plane and fucking fly over there and rip your bitch ass off that bar stool right now. (laughs) Like stop talking shit, you know, but it's because they don't know me. Right. They don't Uh... know See, see, it's still in there. I love it. So, so all the doubt, the the haters, the yeah, those you gotta gotta like use Nicki Minaj energy on that. I'm I'm just saying though. I'm just saying though. Okay, so all right, (laughs) those haters. It benefits you if you let it benefit you. It does absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. I love it. I love it. So, your competitors' edge. You said that a few times. Let's talk about that. Let's tell us um, what helped you develop aside from bartending. Because I know before a bar, before you were a bartender, you said you were in law school. Um, before that, you were in high. Like, let's go back. Where did that start? Because it didn't. And there's, I'm, I, I can, I, I bet it did not start. <laughs> bartending or law school you've had this from the very beginning haven't you yeah no I mean let's talk sure. about it I, I think okay so do you want do you want the woo answer or do you want like <laughs> no I, I want I want the answer that okay. that that <laughs> I want, I want get the weird? real answer yes <laughs> okay. all right buckle up bitches because this one's gonna get a little bit bumpy okay <laughs> <laughs> let's go okay. all right so here's the thing when you start doing all this shit in the coaching world, you start doing a lot of mindset work, right? 
Okay. It's, it's part of it. Like you don't get to seven figures. And I mean, at all without doing mindset work, that's a thing, right? So you start doing the mindset work. You start looking at yourself. You start peeling back the layers. Um, you start looking at all those feelings that you stepped down deep that you were never going to talk about again. Right. Um, and so one of these core distressing emotions that I have is abandonment, um, insert daddy issues here. Right. Okay. Like it's very, it's very typical. Okay. <laughs> like basic, basic bullshit. Okay. So all the daddy issues. So I do a lot of work around that kind of stuff of like really looking at how I think and feel about myself and where that comes from, what it's really about and what I'm, you know, kind of getting into the root of pulling up those roots so that I don't carry that shit forward with me. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so in doing some of these exercises, I was actually, um, I was in Calistoga. I was in uh, California, Northern California. I had, it was my husband's birthday and I had bought him one of those race car experiences things, you know, Okay. Yeah. like get to drive the NASCARs. Right. That's crazy. Which is terrifying for me, but he really wanted to do it. And it was very expensive. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I bought it for him for his birthday and I stayed in the hotel because fuck all that shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go fast. I'm scared. <laughs> I don't like those cars. Right. So I stayed in the hotel and I was doing this mindset work and I was doing this exercise in this, um, you know, specific hypnotherapy, self hypnotherapy that I do. And so I was in the bathtub and I was going kind of unpacking all this shit around my dad and whatever. Okay. So I get into this deep meditative state and this is the first time that I've ever had a past life inclination, anything, right? Mm -hmm. Like I've just, it's just never been part of the story, but I got into this past life space and I'm in the bath. So, you know, it's like, you're like floating like that feeling. And in this space where I went inside of this meditation was the feeling of being in the womb. Right. Okay. And so I can hear like the, the water, like my, the water's over my ears. So it's like adding to the experience, like making it more like scarier, right? So real. And I can feel this, this energy of like being held and like, I can hear voices talking. And so the voices are talking, okay. And the voices are talking. We can't afford it. Okay. We can't afford it. Like we can't have the baby that we can't afford it. Like, what are we going to do? Like, you know, like the, the narrative that you have when you think of young people getting pregnant or people who don't have money getting pregnant, like having that conversation. And so are you ready? Cause it's going to get gross. Okay. So <laughs> hold on. Um, this like horrible sensation of being ripped, like literally being torn, like limb from limb and being like ripped out of this. Right. And like very painful, like crazy. And so it was like the realization in, in pulling back up of this is like remembering being aborted, right? Like remembering being aborted for this thing and the, the money story of like worth less than money, right? Like my life mm -hmm. worth less than money. Okay. And so like, obviously I wasn't aborted. I'm here. <laughs> right? Duh. Um, but for a long time I had a running story in my head about my parents, about my mom and about my dad, that, that I was unwanted, you know, mm -hmm. uh, my dad left case in point, right. Also, but like, he was very abusive. And so I felt like my mom had me. And then like, she was tortured because of that. Like if yeah. she would, if she wouldn't have had me, then she never would have had to stay with this terrible man that my very Catholic grandparents made him marry, made her marry. Right. Gotcha. So I had this story of being unwanted and I always blame that on my mom. Right. But when I had this past life regression and remembered that it was like all of this, like swell of empathy of realizing like what it's like, I mean, I was a teen mom, right? So it's like realizing all of the strife and the struggle and all of the pieces that go with, you know, having a, having a kid when you're a teenager and all these things. And this, this story that I had inside of me that I was worth less than money. But once I saw what actually like happened and, you know, you can decide on that on your own, right? What yeah. actually happened, I had so much empathy for 
these people that made this decision, right? Because that's an impossible decision to make. No one should mm-hmm. have to make it, right? And it's it's a hard decision to make. And like, that didn't have anything to do with me, right? And so I could let go of all of that energy that was tethered, that really brought me into this world with fuck you energy, right? Mm-hmm. Of like having something to prove and needing to make sure that I was worthy and like, you know, doing all of those things. Like I was a high performance kid, you know, I was, I was a gymnast. I was a gymnast for 12 years. I missed Olympic trials by two spots. I spent 40 hours a week in the gym as a kid. I I did good in school because I was always trying to earn love, gotcha. earn acceptance, prove that I was worth being here, mm-hmm. you know? And that energy comes out in all sorts of fucking weird ways. Wow. Yeah. Wasn't expecting that. Didn't see that coming. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't see that coming. Wow. Okay. So the, so I'm just the imagery, right? The, the imagery is and the, the image, the imagery and the, the not relationship, but the, like I can connect to th- those those feelings, and I'm sure there are going to be folks listening who can also connect with those feelings of um, abandonment, um, not feeling worthy of life. You know that one thing is more important than you, so you have to do this and be this and be this good. You always have to be this much better. You know, much better. Is that even proper English? I don't know. I don't <laughs> I give a so. shit. <laughs> I don't care. But you know, you always have to to show up uh, in your your rawest form, but wearing a mask. You know, yeah. let's talk. Let's talk about like identity. Did you ever have any um, like identity crisis? Crisis or um, what is what I'm looking for? I'm looking for something in my brain. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. I mean, imposter syndrome is a thing. And, you know, a lot of coaches frame this as something that you need to get rid of, right? Where they say like, I'll help you overcome your imposter syndrome. I'll, you know, they insert, insert mindset tool here, right? It's like, we'll, we'll tap it away. (laughs) We'll tap away your imposter syndrome. We'll, we'll pull it out. We'll cut the cord, whatever, right? Like everybody has this, this, this idea around imposter syndrome of like that you need to get rid of it. But let me tell you what imposter syndrome actually is. Okay. Imposter syndrome is your give a fuck. Okay. It's proof that you care. It's proof that you have this thing inside of you that is like, I want to make sure that what I'm selling is real. I don't want to sell snake oil. I don't want to say I'm this thing and then not be this thing. Like Mm -hmm. I want it to be in integrity. And so that's where imposter syndrome really comes from. And so when you feel that feeling of like, who the hell am I? Like, I remember when I raised my prices from, um, you know, I, I was selling at like 5k and then I started doing a a 10k program. Um, but then I developed a 30k mastermind. Right. And so $30,000 is a lot of money. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of money. And like, there's fear that's associated with getting it on a stage and saying those words, right. Like coming Mm -hmm. up and saying like, yeah, it's going to be (laughs) $30,000 and everyone's like, "Ah." like you're afraid. (laughs) right? You're afraid of the judgment, but why? Because you want to make sure that it's worth Mm $30,000. You want to make sure that you're worth $30,000, right? And so that feeling of imposter syndrome comes in, but you have to remember that it's not a bad thing. It's actually proof that you're not an imposter because if you were an imposter, you wouldn't feel that feeling because you wouldn't care. Mm. 
So what do you do when that, when those feelings, what was your remedy when those feelings come up or came up in the past? You know, I have this signature mindset strategy that I use and I use it for all core distressing emotions. So Mm -hmm. when we're looking at imposter syndrome, we're not looking at like the surface level of imposter syndrome. We're asking ourselves this question, like, what is this really about? If you're getting up there and about to say, it's $30,000, right? What's the feeling inside of you, right? Mm -hmm. And like, for me, the feeling was the fear. Okay, fear of what? Like, I mean, one fear of rejection, but more so than that, the fear of people saying yes, right? And then- they say yes. And it's like, oh shit, now what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad they gave said me $30,000. Like what if they don't get results? And so exactly. like that fear, what is that really? Just the fear of not being good enough, mm-hmm. right? So the fear of worthlessness all over again. And so once you can identify what that core distressing emotion is, I have a signature mindset strategy that I teach to you know my 10K and my 50K clients that mm-hmm. really helps them to unpack layer by layer. It's called a seven layer transformation. And it is a hyper logical formula that mm-hmm. breaks down these different seven steps to be able to articulate what something is really about to get into the deeper place. But more importantly, to give you the actionable steps to walk out, like uh, think of like Hansel and Gretel breadcrumb style, right? It's like you go into the deep, dark forest, right? The seven layer helps you to get in there. But it also gives you the set the seven steps to get out of there. Mm-hmm. So it is like those breadcrumbs that help you to overcome. And in my world, what we really talk about is soothing distressing emotions because I don't want you to get rid of it. I don't I, I believe that all feelings are valid. All feelings are valid and valuable because they come from you and you are valid and valuable. Even your fear, right? Your fear of rejection or your fear of worthlessness is just, you wanting to make sure that you do right by people. I don't want you to get rid of that. I want you to keep that, but I want you to apply it in a more strategic way that helps you to get what you want. So we Mm. soothe core distressing emotions. We don't rip them out, right? I love that. Wow. Okay. How do you explain a fear of success? (laughs) Fear of success is just the fear of change. And when you frame it that way, like, you're like, oh yeah, of course, right? Like nobody wants to change. Like we don't even want to cut our damn hair. (laughs) (laughs) I'm cracking up because my (laughs) wife literally for the past six months is like, I'm going to cut my hair. I'm going to cut my hair. (laughs) Go cut your hair, babe. Go cut it. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to. You tell her, you just tell her, you say, babe, you're just afraid of, you're just afraid that it's going to look too good. That's all. That's all. <laughs> I'm cracking up. This is so funny, but go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a fear of change, right? Is because, okay, biologically, this is not your fault. Biologically, we're humans, right? We're animals. And so we have this survival mechanism in our lower brain that tells us we should do what we did yesterday because yesterday you didn't die. Yep, so survived. it worked, yep. right? And if you think about it, like, the gazelle, right? The gazelle goes to the same watering hole, right? It goes to the same watering hole that it went to yesterday because it didn't get eaten by an alligator last time. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if the gazelle goes to the water hole and sees its buddy get eaten by the the alligator, it goes to a different watering hole. Right? (laughs) We only change when we have the fear of imminent death. And that is why we need rock bottom, right? That's why people need the DUI to quit drinking. Okay. Is because the fear of imminent death is what creates change. And so really by accepting change, you're also accepting this thing, right? Of letting go of who you used to be and mm-hmm. making a new choice to become the unknown because there's no possible way for you to know what's going to happen. And so the fear of en- of the unknown is inherent. Every single one of us has it. Even if you say you fucking don't, you're lying. 
you have the fear of the unknown because biologically, the reason that your heart is beating in your chest and firing that electrode every, every three seconds, right, is because you are afraid of dying. We all are. Our body is afraid of dying, even if we're not mentally afraid of it. Our body is afraid of it. That's what keeps us breathing. That's the biological senses underneath it. So the fear of success is really the fear of change, but really the fear of the change is just the fear of the unknown. And biologically, we can't overcome that. So we must soothe it. We will never not be afraid of death. It's acceptance that allows us to become successful. Hey, hey, hey. If you're enjoying this content, do not forget to rate and review. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, be sure to rate and review. It helps us reach more people in more ways. Now, let's get back to some resilience. I'm over here cheesing so hard because I started I started my journey um, in 2016, 17 is the summertime. And I was at a watering hole, it's called uh, Panther Falls on the Blue Ridge Parkway in Virginia. And everybody's jumping off this cliff. And I'm like, I'm not jumping off this fucking cliff. I'm <laughs> not doing it. Y'all can go have fun. Nicole, I was on this cliff for an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I had my wife, uh, she was my she was my fiance at the time. She comes up, she jumps off, like, you got to jump this way. There were people there showing me how to do it this way and, th- and this other way. And there was this other stranger who got on the other cliff and was like, here, I'll jump off of this one, which is a little bit higher, but you just have to jump off that one. I'm like, great, great. Okay. They jump off. I'm like, <laughs> like I'm not jumping off this cliff until I, so I had, there was two interactions. I had a little boy who came to me. Well, he didn't come to me. He was there with his family and they all jumped off and he's still up there. I'm like, he's like, are you scared? I'm like, I am petrified. I said, are you not scared? He was like, yeah. I said, well, can you swim? He goes, no. (laughs) Where's your mom? (laughs) What do you, you, we're about to, you are about to jump off a cliff, right? Uh, and you cannot swim. How? Why? You got to give me a, a valid reason why that that's okay to you. He goes, well, my brothers and sisters have already jumped off. They can all swim. And I trust that they'll get to me. I just have to get off this rock. I said, damn. <laughs> I said, damn. I said, damn. And then we shook on it. Well, it was a pinky promise. And I, I'm big on pinky promises. Okay. Pinky promises. My word is my bond. Get these pinkies. <laughs> and <laughs> my, my, I'm like, yeah, I'll jump off if you jump off. And my wife goes, you have to pinky promise. Cause if you don't pinky promise, she's not going to do it. I said, well, <laughs> fuck you. Because that was rude and disrespectful. Why would you even just put me out there like that? <laughs> so we, we pinky promise. He jumps off. His sisters and brothers grab him immediately and get him out the water. I'm like, that was beautiful. So one, that support system, right? Everything that you need to survive, to navigate this world revolves around having a solid ass support system. And number two is an unwavering belief in yourself, right? 
it was funny you mentioned like what did you just you just said something about um the a fear of the unknown right so i'm on this rock and i my brain is telling me you're going to you can die cuz people have died here before right and then when you were telling your story i'm like oh my gosh i'm i'm loving this right you can slip and fall you can really really injure yourself aaron you can die you can just fall the wrong way and crack your head and then you'll be paralyzed. There's my brain is telling me everything that could go wrong. And then just like that, it goes, you know what it's like right now being on this rock. You don't know what life will look like once you jump off. The moment that clicked, I threw myself off. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, the flying squirrel and the moose. Yeah, yeah I look like <laughs> fucking Rocky. <laughs> I had on a gray shirt and I was just flying through the air and I did it and ever since that moment I developed the fight the flight fight that natural urge to run away you know and I always but and I always believe that we have um emotions right we have I won't say demons but we have those inner um things that we just sometimes we just don't want to face right and like you said we we shouldn't get rid of them i always say you should learn how to dance with them right you should it's you it's not even part of you it's, it's just you yep learn how to 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 navigate life with them i say all of that to say girl you're a freaking rock star <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you are a rock star. I've interviewed a lot of people and everyone has always had like different stories um, of overcoming. I don't think I've been able to relate. I've been able to relate a lot with a lot of people, but your answer to the fear of success, I think is what I really needed to hear in this moment. And I have no idea how to thank you for sharing that little piece of information that literally just unlocked something up here. I don't know what this podcast is. I have no idea what this episode just turned into. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just one moment, right? One moment can change your whole life. Like, and that's, that's how it always is. It's mm -hmm. just that we don't always acknowledge that. And we don't always know in the moment that it is the moment that changed our life, right? Yeah. Like, Sometimes it's pivotal, right? Like, I mean, you have a baby, somebody dies, right? Like those are like moments, right? Like that everybody writes down in their journal, but sometimes it's, it's just a Tuesday, right? Like it's just a Tuesday and something shifts inside of your mindset and you click in and you're like, oh my God, like, and I'm a completely different human. Right. And like realizing that we really change moment to moment to moment. And you do not have to be who you were yesterday in order to survive. You don't have to do that. And so letting go of that inclination and getting over that fight, the fight, flight, freeze response, right? Mm -hmm. That's all lower brain. That's all lower brain. That's biological, but you have the ability. All of us have the ability to override that just by activating our frontal cortex. And the way that we activate our frontal cortex is just asking a question. How, how can I? Right. And so when we get into this fight or flight, we're standing on the edge of a cliff. Right. We're like, right. It's like, how can I getting into the energy of how can I gets us out of fight and flight and allows us to sit and stay and allow those feelings to flow because all feelings do 
You've never had a feeling that lasted forever because that's not how that works. Mm-hmm. Well, you've never had a feeling that's lasted forever because that's not how it works. That's a bar. That is, <laughs> that is, that is a quotable moment right there. Holy shit. You're right. You're absolutely right. What is, what is some of the best advice that you've received? Um, I'd say over the past two years, that's really taken you from who you were at that moment to who you are right now. Okay. Well, first and foremost, let me give you this caveat, right? Is I don't take advice from people who don't have the fucking results that I want. Hello. And and didn't get them in the way that energetically aligns with me. I don't, I don't listen to them. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't ask questions of somebody who doesn't have the results that I want and expect to get an answer because I see so many people doing this, right. Where it's like, well, my neighbor said, I'm like, your neighbor's an insurance agent. Like, please stop listening to him. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't know. Only take advice from people who have the results that you want and yeah. your whole life changed, right? So let me give you <laughs> unsolicited advice right there, right? It's like only listen to people who have the results that you want. Um, and so one of the people in my life who has the results that I do in fact want, right, is one of my coaches. And this coach has made upwards of over $30 million, right? Quite over $30 million. He's pretty young, he's in his early 30s. Um, and, you know, he doesn't have the life that I want. Um, he's, he's kind of a douchebag. I love him. It's like brotherly love. Right. (laughs) But he's kind of got that douchebag energy a little bit, you know? Um, and so in that kind of bro marketer feel to it, like, I don't like this part of his life. Right. But I do like the, the piece that he has built, um, around being himself. And so something he told me that forever changed my life that I just didn't understand until some 31 year old bro marketer said it to me. (laughs) pathetic really but he looked at me and he said nicole they don't have to like you and it was like what like i I, like my whole life i've just i've felt so like i always make the running joke that i'm like a unicorn trapped in a human's body and i don't fucking belong here because i don't i don't know you people (laughs) i don't connect right right like i don't feel like i belong and so this whole time it's like even in in bartender land and coaching land and fucking high school right it was just trying to fit in trying to belong trying to feel that feeling of being liked mm-hmm. and when he told me that and like gave me the permission where he was like they don't have to like you to pay you they don't have to like you to listen to you they don't have to like you to take advice from you and change their lives to make millions of dollars and get incredible results they don't have to like you and it was like pff, like mind blown right where i was like this whole time I've been sitting here trying to make people like me so that, that they'll buy my thing and they'll take action and they'll get results. But him taking that pressure off of me and just saying like, they don't have to like you. It gave me permission to just be me and accept the fact that some people are not going to fucking like me. There's lots of people that don't like me. What's one more? (laughs) Yeah. Are you an entrepreneur or a small business looking to take your brand to the next level? Then visual media is the service for you. Visual Media is a video production company who specializes in creating high-quality visual content for social media, websites, and online courses. Head over to Visual Media on Instagram and drop Resilience in their DM to get started. That's V-Z-U-A-L-M-E-D-I-A underscore to get started. I'll be fine. I won't die if you don't like me today. Um, you know, it's like I had I had a client like tell me t- say this. He's like, yeah, it's this this energy that like if you don't like me, like I'll get over it. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. I love it. So you show that that gave you permission to show up authentically as yourself every single day. Every single day. Love it. Love it. What's the worst piece of advice you've gotten? <laughs> I got so much bad advice. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. We have that long. <laughs> I mean, I think that like terrible advice um, that I've been given, I mean, across the board that I think is probably like pretty common advice of this um, is to be patient. That is terrible fucking advice. Don't be patient. You could die tomorrow. The aneurysm, the asteroid, whatever. Like, don't be patient. Patience is not a virtue, okay? Patience is for the weak. <laughs> Get up, be resilient, right? Don't be patient. It's not time, right? It, it, it doesn't take time. Only intention, right? Um, I have a coach right now that I'm working with who had told me, she said, time is our servant, right? You don't need to be patient, right? Be yourself. Mm -hmm. Patience is something that responds to that. You don't need to be patient. And that was something that really helped me because I don't feel patient <laughs> ever. <laughs> I'm wildly impatient. And so again, like that permission where it's like, don't, don't, don't believe that bullshit. It doesn't take time. It takes yeah. massive amounts of attention. And, you know, you can have this proof in your head, right? It's like, okay, you know, that unicorns aren't real. Right. So it's this thing that like, if I told you and I was like, Hey, Aaron, I have a unicorn in my backyard. It's $150,000. You want to buy it? And you're like, bitch, you're stupid. <laughs> I'm not going to send you, I'm not going to send you $150,000 here <laughs> to Stripe link to buy a unicorn because unicorns aren't real, right? Okay. But if we're sitting here on this Zoom and this motherfucking unicorn just walks behind me <laughs> and I pet it on the head and I'm like, uh, right? Your life has been forever changed in one second. And you will spend the rest of your life being that crazy woman saying that one time you saw a unicorn <laughs> and trying to prove this to everybody for the rest of your life. You will be that crazy person, right? And you will, your entire identity shifts in one second because of one thing that happens. It doesn't take time. It only takes intention. Your belief can shift now. It doesn't have to be, oh, 21 days to form a new habit. No, one decision forms a new habit, Right. And then committing to that decision over and over and over again, which does not take time. It takes intention. Mm -hmm. That's not taking, that's the truth. Holy crap. Yeah. You can, you can literally change your mind and change your entire life. You just have to make that decision to do that. Basically. You just have to cut your bangs. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Just do it. Just do it. Jump off the rock. Like I like to say, jump off the rock. How can we find you on um, the internet, so on social media? Where can we find you at? Well, you guys got to come join the Facebook group, which is not for the faint of heart. It is called um, Unicorn Client Attraction Secrets for High Vibe Wonder Women. And this is a free community uh, with about 17,000 people in it right now. Uh, where I'm you just can about 17,000. It ain't, <laughs> ain't shit. <laughs> You can, uh, you can promote your offers there and, um, come hang out and, you know, get more mouthy stuff. Like it's fun. Um, and check out the podcast. It's called real unicorns. Don't wear pants. First off, let me just say that I'm so glad that you have your Facebook group and you're like, yeah, like drop your offers in there. There's so many groups out there. That's like, nah, I don't, uh, -uh no sales that, you know, what you want to know a funny story. <laughs> You want to know a funny story? Once upon a time, okay, once upon a time in Facebook land, when I started my Facebook group, which was now almost three years ago, okay? So almost three years ago, I started my Facebook group. And at that time, none of them were promotion friendly. Mm -hmm. None, right? Zero. 
kind of, it was all the, what I call princess groups, right? So you had like the spam groups where everyone was just throwing up all the time. Like this, you know, it's like literally just nobody comments on anything. It's just spam, right? Yeah. So you have the spam group and then you have the princess group and the princess group is like, I'm the admin and you must all just bow and worship me. <laughs> I want you to come here and engage, but I don't want you to promote your thing, right? This is my group and you can't touch anything, right? So that's how it was when I started my Facebook group. And I was like, this is some bullshit. Like, don't tell me that this group is called women supporting women, helping women. And then you're hating on people who are trying to sell their thing that serves people. Like yeah. that's crap, right? And so I started that Facebook group. And inside of my Facebook group, I said, fuck the no promo rule. That was in my rules. My rule said, fuck the no promo rule. Love it. I said, you can promote anything you want in this group. Okay. Pitch with passion. Go for it. Okay. And so I started that Facebook group. I was the very first one to do that. And then every fucking group copied me after that. Ah, uh, trendsetter. Right. And they told me it will never work. My coaches were like, you're crazy. Don't do that. She's like, people are going to steal your clients. And I said, Hey, no one can steal clients. You want to know why? Because clients are fucking people. People cannot be stolen. And if they're attracted to you, they're attracted to you and your offer. If they're attracted to somebody else, they're, they're not meant for you. So how right. can you steal something that wasn't meant for me in the first place? Abundance. Ah. <laughs> abundance mindset, right? The groups that allow the promo, that comes from the abundance mindset. That's, wow. I'm blown away. This whole conversation was fire. Well, shit. <laughs> well, damn. Okay. Um, do you have anything else? I'll make sure I add, as long as it's okay with you, I'm going to make sure I add that link to your Facebook group in the show notes and all that good stuff. Is there yeah, anything um, else you want to throw out there before I ask you our final question? Let me give your audience a free gift. Okay. Let's go. Oh, um, as you guys know, I got my first 10 high ticket clients in my first six weeks. Um, and you know, I made a million dollars in my first 13 months, um, using real client attraction strategies. I have never sent a cold DM. Um, I use no pain point marketing ever. Right. Um, I don't, I don't do any of those kind of sleazy sale bait and switch bullshit. I don't do any of that shit. Okay. So everything has been based on real attraction marketing. So if you go to nonstopnotifications.com, it will give you access to my hundred wonderful ways to get more and better clients. And so this will give you a hundred strategies to help you with real attraction marketing, to be able to start attracting your true believer, um, without using any sort of cold outreach strategies. Love it. Love it. Y'all. I'm about to hop on that. When we get off of this, I <laughs> highly, I highly suggest you do the same. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Nicole. Oh my goodness your knowledge um and your vulnerability and your your just authenticity thank you for showing up as you you know and thank you to whoever felt like or whoever gave you that permission to show up as you in the world from that moment on you've been doing that and holy shit fire fire you're a phenomenal uh woman you're a phenomenal unicorn and you're just a, a wonderful, uh, exciting, like your energy, right? I know you're big on energy and the energy that I'm feeling from you just through this Zoom call is, is so contagious. Like you just, you feel good, you know, being around you. And I feel like you do that just, that's just who you are. 
Whether you like it or not. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Nicole, are you ready for this last and final question? Yeah, hit me, hit me. Hit Wonderful. Me. <laughs> what does resilience mean to you? Okay, so resilience. Inside of my program, they have a unit, okay? And this unit was added after it had the program for about a year, mm-hmm. right? And they call this unit, get back on the unicorn, okay? And so in this unit, you get to like sit down in front of your little Zoom and you open up this recording and it's me like, hey, <laughs> it's me. Like we're about to have a little therapy session right now. We're going to rapid fire this shit together, right? Because here's the thing. You're supposed to fall down. The only way that you can build the muscles that you need in order to get anywhere in life is to fall down. Look at babies, right? I mean, if you got a new baby, you push them down, right? Like, Just don't walk yet. It's too soon. <laughs> <laughs> sit down. My daughter walked at nine months. It was awful, right? Just push them down, right? But when babies fall, they get back up. How do they build leg muscles, right? How do their little leg muscles get going? From falling down and getting back up. That never changes your entire life. You want to grow. You want to get better. Resilience is the intention of like, hey, I'm going to do this thing knowing that I'm going to fall down, but that's okay because I can't build muscles any other way than getting back up right? It's not about maintaining. It's not about staying and making sure and being safe in this one place. It's about risk, going all in on yourself, knowing full good and well that every decision that make, that you make in your entire life is going to serve in one way and limit in another. Resilience is the acceptance of the other, right? Accepting the fact that it will serve and it will limit. Resilience is your acceptance of limitation. And that is ultimately what makes you strong. Mm-hmm. Resilience in action. No, no way, no other way to slice that. It's the doing. The, the, I love that. Getting back on your unicorn. Yeah, you have to. Um, I equate it to like going to the gym. You know, you can't build muscle. You literally have to tear it, right? To build up that muscle, to make it stronger. You know, you have to go, you have to put your muscle through trauma, literally tearing the fibers so it can rebuild stronger, better than it was before. That is resilience. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Nicole, thank you so much for um, spending a little bit of time with us and sharing your insight and your knowledge with us. I really do appreciate it. Thanks so much, Aaron. I totally appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate and review. And remember, resilience in action will always lead to a greater human experience. <laughs>